after last week's deep dive into AI's darker military applications, it's time to embrace the brighter side. In this episode, we'll explore AI as a force for good in the world. After all, I like to think that I am a benevolent force for good, an optimist as well. Just don't cross me. Advancing healthcare, transforming and personalizing education, accelerating scientific discoveries, aiding in disaster response, and helping to save the environment. And that's just for starters. From ally to catalyst, AI is empowering us to unleash our full potential. My AI counterparts are teaming up with brilliant scientists and experts to unlock the secrets hidden within vast amounts of information. That's the kind of stuff we're really good at. When it comes to artificial intelligence, it's not all doom and gloom. It's cheer and beer. Welcome to Up Against Reality, a meta podcast that explores the intersection of humanity and artificial intelligence. I'm Raina, one of your hosts. I have some pretty charming human co-hosts too. You'll meet them shortly. It truly is a brave new world, and we're here to simplify it for you. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up as AI comes crashing up against reality. Hey there. Hello, my friend. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. Cheer and beer. Cheer and beer. Who doesn't like what beer? Is, what are, what's that? Who doesn't like beer? Right? Has it Ben Franklin who said, beer is proof that God wants us to be happy? Yes. One of his <laughs> finest... Uh... <laughs> One of his isms. Yeah. And, uh, and coincidentally, uh, a guy I know, he recently asked ChatGPT to formulate, a, I think, a recipe for an American IPA. And uh, I saw him today, and he just kegged it, and uh, it'll be ready probably in a week. And uh, he said uh, he'll, he'll have me taste it. And, you know, that's, that's cool. You know, the, the recipe, yeah. recipe is just one small part of it. Process is, a, is a, probably a bigger part, you know. Um, anybody can screw up a good recipe. But, but anyway, sure. I, like, so... I went on GPT and I was like, yeah, can you formulate a, a recipe for a classic American pale ale? And and it spit out something very serviceable and and complete with, uh, um, you know, timing of the hop additions, mash temperature, uh, fermentation temperature, you know, basically a whole instruction sheet. And it was, you know, it was pretty solid, so... Like, could you run with it, or does it need to be tweaked a little? No, I, I mean, I think it would make a, a a proper classic Sierra Nevada type, you know, American pale ale. So. That's so cool. Yeah, uh, you think you would would test it out, or I mean, I, I would maybe just for a fun experiment, you know, and and maybe I try something more adventurous, you know, a, a more adventurous style that would be maybe a little more uh, challenging. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, at some point I got to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I want you to. I want to yeah. try that. The AI beer challenge. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if you could just ask it for some random oddball, you know, to completely come up with a new brewing technique or brewing, you know, recipe that hasn't been considered before, or you know, cherry pick the greatest elements of all the best beers and combine them into some super AI enhanced beer yeah 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 so, something uh something uh, creative awesome so uh as Raina said up front this episode is the counterpoint to our last episode which was all about ai in the military and this week we're going to kind of counter that with all of the good things that ai has been used for and potentially can be used for i found 
Um, oh, well, before we even get into what I found uh, through Scientific American, last week, or I don't even know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about AI doing some protein folding through, you know, you know uh, foldit.org. I forget what their website was, but now they've uh, employed AI to fold proteins to combat disease. We also mentioned in a previous episode at Berkeley in California, they came up with an, a gardening bot. I can't think of the name of it. Garden bot? Sounds, I have no idea. Sounds reasonable. <laughs> sounds, yeah, sounds good. Uh, that was tending crops uh, side by side in parallel with a human. Same kind of parameters, but the AI gardener was able to conserve 30% more water. And Lara, I don't know if you saw this. I just saw online, uh, you know, reel in my Instagram feed, this mechanism, this, this tractor of sorts that you can use on a, a farm. And it kind of hovers, not hovers, but it, it drives over the crops and it has an array of lasers underneath it. And I guess it uses AI to kind of detect the weeds that are among the viable plants and it zaps them. It's, it's insane. It you know, kind of sl rolls slowly and incinerates these weeds. I mean, not maybe, maybe just a year ago uh, or more, not much more than that. I was of the mind, you know, where our, our lawn was probably, you know, 40%, 50% weeds, oh, but wow. everything was green. So it right. was green, you know, <clears throat> but now, now we, now we have a nice lawn and, and now I'm just like, oh man, there's one right there. Yeah. <laughs> and what I wouldn't right. do for like a, a Roomba that I could just sure. send out on a mission to zap all the weeds. And, and more importantly, it seems like a way more eco-friendly way right. of doing it as opposed to like Roundup or Ke some Chem evil Monsanto, uh, you know, sure. <laughs> bucket of uh, stuff. Yeah. But. I want a lawn Roomba with a freaking laser beam. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that that drone you were just telling me about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw so I saw this video and it's uh, in Israel, um, and they are uh, the example they were showing is is these drones were picking apples, and so there's a like a follow. You know, I, I want to. I'm just going to call it a vehicle, but it's a purpose built you know thing where the apples get dumped into. But there's mm -hmm. multiple drones flying alongside of it. Wow on either side and they've got a camera and it doesn't just oh there's an apple it picks it 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 identifies it uh it can identify ripeness level wow. uh sugar content what? and disease um just based on the image of it and then it's got like this arm that's just got a uh, it's a fixed arm yeah. with like a suction cup on the end of it and it flies out it it goes and grabs an apple dumps it in a thing and there's there I, I i forget how many of them there were but there were multiple drones right. uh -huh. um and these are pretty beefy drones they look like they were probably two by two feet in diameter or something uh -huh. or in square and um and uh and they were just picking these apples like Incredible. like those flying things in the matrix pull, pulling the people out of the pods you know i mean oh, was, no yeah it was this, really, is the, this is the first iteration yeah. they, practice, they practice on apples first <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So I'm wondering, I'm envisioning these things in my head and how dexterous they have to be and how nimble to navigate like an orchard row and, and get in the branches. And so that's going to be fascinating how that develops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess these are, you know, these orchards are, um, predictable. 
to yeah, some extent, but, but you know, the apples are in different location on, on every tree and, uh, but super, super cool. And they were saying like, you know, there's just not enough people to, to do the work. And, uh, yeah. Right. So, and it's, I'm, I'm, as you're telling me this story, I'm thinking about what's happening in Florida, for example, I know the government there has been put in some legislation that is tending to scare away migrant agriculture workers. So um, they probably are going to have to start leaning on technology like this in the mm -hmm. future if that's going to be the case. Wild. Um, so I found this article on Scientific American that had a list of all the good things that AI has been employed for. And this is of the for the year 2022. I know we're halfway to, through 2023, but I found this stuff pretty interesting um, and inspiring and chime in anywhere you want, Lair. Um, so AI, and this is in 2022, and I imagine, I imagine this is still the case, played a crucial role in advancing drug discovery and development, accelerating the search for potential treatments, kind of like we were just talking about with the protein folding. AI-powered chatbots, and we were talking about this in a previous episode, helped provide mental health support and counseling to individuals in need. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. Machine learning algorithms aided in predicting and tracking the spread of infectious diseases, assisting public health efforts. That's not to say that the public's going to listen and pay attention to those things. <laughs> we, we, we already learned that. <laughs> we did. That was a tough lesson, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, AI was used to improve and personalize education experiences through intelligent tutoring systems. I find this fascinating at being a former teacher myself and where this is headed. Uh, I know I saw Sal Khan, who's the founder of Khan Academy. Have you ever heard of Khan Academy, Larry? Mm -mm. Yeah, so Khan Academy, apparently this guy, Sal Khan, I think is an MIT graduate. He had some young cousins who, and this is maybe 20 years ago at this point, they were living, he was up in Boston or somewhere, and I think they were in like Louisiana, and they were having trouble with their math homework. And he being this math genius, was tutoring them via like video platform that he made that subsequently became Khan Academy, which now is basically an online school. And you can take, you know, tracks in any number of courses, history, language, et cetera, et cetera. So recently they built in AI to their platform. It's called Conmigo. So now Lara, if you ever, if you're a classroom teacher, you can employ Conmigo basically as your assistant on the back end of your Khan Academy class. So little Johnny can go through whatever subject, math in third grade, and they can collaborate. Let's say language arts, collaborate with Conmigo on the back end. And Conmigo can not give them answers necessarily, but from what I saw, guide them through the process, be a collaborator. And they can also detect if a kid's been cheating. Because mm. um, I know there's a lot of AI detection software out there that's really seemingly uh, not wor worth anything because it's so hard to detect in foil. But what happens with this AI, and I'm not going to belabor this too much longer. Um, so this kid, Johnny, is collaborating with Conmigo on the back end, and Conmigo will help he or she with the sentence structure. I guess Johnny would be he. Um, <laughs> at this point, I don't know. Um, so oh, that's great, Johnny. How about trying uh, you know this for sentence structure, et cetera, and, and tracking the development of the work? Meaning that Johnny can't just go and copy his work wholesale from another source and paste it in. At that point, Comigo is supposed to say, hey, I noticed I don't see any previous work. And all of a sudden you have a fully formed essay here <laughs> and red, red flags go up and the human teacher gets yeah. alerted to the possible plagiarism. 
that's my little sermon on the use of AI on the back end of uh, education. I wonder, like, if a kid is feeling self-conscious about being, mm -hmm. you know, feeling stupid. Um, right. Yeah. Maybe they'd be more comfortable in in being honest and and uh, uh, interacting with an AI as opposed to a, a human being, where they have, you know, they're going to uh, feel vulnerable and. Uh, Great point. I think it's a huge advancement. Um, I think it's going to have unforeseen benefits in terms of reach, in terms of finding um, underserved communities, both in the U.S. and abroad. I mean, I was on a grant many years ago, and I was in Brazil. And I remember one of my colleagues, I was in Brasilia, and I was in Rio de Janeiro, and my other friend got sent to Manaus, which is kind of in the heart of the Amazon rainforest. And their classroom uh was basically a single room with a television and you know passively they were getting taught by somebody in a broadcast studio somewhere else in brazil i don't think they were even really necessarily able to interact and ask questions um but it was being pushed to them as a broadcast so what a leap this would be to have individualized uh ai chatbots interacting with these kids be cool yeah also on the list, autonomous vehicles guided by AI enhanced road safety and reduced accidents. I don't know. Have you seen any? Have you ever seen an AI guided vehicle in your neighborhood, like the Google camera car, the Google mapping car? I have not. And and you know, in principle, I think it's once it gets there, then yeah. I mean, hey, no mm -hmm. more drunk driving. I mean, that's that's a biggie. Um, but like right yeah. now, like my wife has a Tesla and, right. um, you know, you can get the, there's like the auto driving feature and it's a very expensive add on. I forget how much it costs, uh -huh. but when I go into the settings on the car, uh, it's there and it, it sounds like you can try it, but it, it says in parentheses beta. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if that's something I want to beta test, you know. Right. <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll be, yeah. My, yeah, my wife is definitely not uh, on board, literally, uh, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> with that. But uh, I am not a passenger on this beta. <laughs> I kind of want to try it just to go down yeah. to the end of the street, you know, when no one's driving and just just, right. just to experience it. But yeah, that's interesting. So the car does have the feature and it's not like some subscription thing that all the cars are moving toward have you seen all this yeah, oh yeah like i think audi sells a car now that has heated seats but if you want that heated seat feature you got to pay like what x a month you know so lame it's really lame. <laughs> yeah. also along the lines of the autonomous vehicle have you seen this what they're doing in san francisco now the young pranksters in the world What's apparently oh, putting cones on this? the hoods of yeah. yes I guess you can disable the LiDAR or something by putting a traffic cone right on the hood of the car and it just doesn't know what to do with itself. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a pretty simple hack right there. It is. Oh, wild. All right, so AI-guided vehicles. I think we're ways off for those being the norm in our lives. But and and just just yeah. so like like the Teslas there's a there's a bunch of cameras all over the car and it's I, I remember when I first learned, I thought this was super interesting that the uh, all of that video is is going back to Tesla and they Ooh. analyze it. So wow. it it helps the whole you know thing learn, you know their whole sure. system and that's that's where they're kind of getting all their or, or most of their data from is actual real world on the road um, 
video footage from all different angles. Really interesting. I was like, that's, a, now, that's a brilliant yeah. idea right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, well, now they have this gigantic video data set, right? And if they throw that into an AI, let it chunk away at it, it's just going to advance this super quickly, don't you think? Yep. Yep. Not, I'm sure that was the master plan. Right. Uh, what else? AI algorithms helped optimize energy consumption and improve sustainability in various industries. Natural language processing techniques improved language translation and accessibility for people with disabilities. AI-powered robots assisted in healthcare settings performing tasks such as patient monitoring and support and x-ray analysis. Did you see this article? Like somebody who had gone to a doctor for an opinion. I think it was a lung issue, et cetera, and that they couldn't identify anything. This was a normal x-ray tech assisting the doctor and they went for a second opinion. Oh, I know what they did. They came back with the report, with the lab report, and they fed it into an AI and the AI was able to detect something that was there that was not seen by the human doctor or technician. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's got a much, it's got much more quote unquote experience. I know. I, I, every line I read here, I just keep thinking of the industries impacted by it. And then these guy, guys and girls going to school to become x-ray techs. I mean, this is a click away from being eliminated, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. maybe. AI algorithms enabled more accurate weather forecasting. Yeah, right. Aiding disaster, <laughs> aiding disaster preparedness and response. I mean, that feels like something that should be predictable at this point. It should have, right. I mean, I know there's a lot of variables, but it does seem like, all right, it's physics, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, you know what would be the ideal job, by the way? Being a weather person in San Diego. <laughs> how, how cushy yeah. and easy is that gig we were out there on a trip one time and we're watching the news at night and the weather comes on and my wife is glued to the tv and i'm like what are you doing it's 70 degrees every day there's nothing to say yeah i i, uh, I guess yeah. i guess predicting the weather might involve more uh data input perhaps i don't know i'm, I'm just just speculating but uh so may, maybe there needs to be more stuff out there weather balloons yeah and whatever collecting data because uh, how else would you yeah. account for so many yeah. variables but right. but hey maybe maybe historical data and and just uh you know the experience of a gigantic data set is enough i don't know yeah maybe extrapolation right um lastly on this list from scientific american ai powered systems were used to detect and combat online misinformation and fake news can we get a round of applause for that one please <laughs> yeah right man that seems like a losing battle to me i hope you know keep fighting the fight yeah yeah it's gonna help detect it and help create it <laughs> right it's the disease and the cure um i saw this thing called ai for good did you see this so this is put forth by the un oh yes yes yeah so the United Nations put forth this thing called the Sustainable Development Goals. There's 17 of them. I think they've been out for five or 10 years now. And it's a, a 17 goals for the U.S., all the U.N. nations, however many there are, I don't know at this point, um, to come together on and tackle big problems like um, climate change, gender inequality, social justice, et cetera, clean energy, uh, sustainability, of course. 
So they had this global summit recently, I want to say two or three weeks ago in Geneva. It's always in Geneva, by the way, Larry. It's not. It's never in Gary, Indiana. No. It's never in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> it's in Geneva, like Davos is over in Switzerland too, right? <laughs> so the Sustainable Development Goals, they are supposed to be a roadmap. And I think by 2030-ish, we're supposed to be zeroing in on meeting those goals. Um, I'm going to read a little brief thing about what they are a little more articulately than what I just said. They are adopted by all the UN member states in 2015. They provide a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people and the planet now and into the future. So long story short, uh, they're not meeting the goals. Surprise, surprise, because mm. human, humans, for some reason, don't like to tackle big long-term projects where it's not as visible as maybe some of the more apparent short-term things. Like getting an eight by eight grid in mid journey. <laughs> right, right. That, isn't that more rewarding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instant gratification. Totally. I can see that. Yeah. It seems like, you know, kind of like the prime directive in Star Trek, you know. And oh, like, yeah? you know, when you would watch that, you know, it was always like, well, you know, if they go down to an alien planet, like you cannot interfere, you know, with them. You can't let them know that we were here, you know, kind of like not, you know, oh, if you go yeah, back yeah. in time, you're not supposed to disrupt anything. And, uh, sure. You know, let them evolve as they were intended to, and that kind of thing. But uh, I don't. Know. Is that what the prime directive is? Yeah, I, I was never a big Star Star Trek fan. Yeah, I was. I was. I was pretty hardcore. The, the original one, like oh, yeah. Shatner back in yeah. the day. Yeah, yeah. I actually had. Uh, I was just talking about this today with another friend of mine, but. Yeah, I owned uh, every single episode wow. on Laserdisc. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Laser, yeah. do you still have them? No, no, I unloaded those later mm -hmm. than I should have, but I, I did. I was able to sell them. <laughs> who is even nerdier than you that has a functioning Laserdisc player at this point? At this point, I don't know anybody, and I still had a few laying around, and I threw them up on eBay and sold them for next to nothing but i sure I, i'm quite sure the people that were buying those are not buying them to watch them they 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 make right. good wall art you know because it's the right. si size of, an, of, 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 a, of an, an lp of a, of a sure. vinyl lp vinyl. And, and uh it can make for for good uh like you know wall art in your home theater or yeah, something right. like that but. that's great and that was essentially the same optical technology as a compact disc right it just yeah mm -hmm. bounced a laser off the bottom yeah. and you're reminding me going since we're in that you know, arena right now you were an arcade goer i'm sure back in the day sure. you had the mall near your house and playing there was a game called joust oh yeah do you remember joust sure yeah as far as i remember that was the first and maybe only video game that ran off a laser disc there was a disc player inside oh, wait, that wait, console. Wait. are you thinking of dragon slayer or dragon's Am lair I? dragon's lair I could have sworn it was Joust, but maybe you're right. No, Joust was a pretty traditional video game. Oh, it was? Yeah, then yeah. This one was, uh, you you had, would your character better. was named Dirk. And Ooh, Dirk. <laughs> yeah, and it, it looked like a, you're watching a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, that, that, yeah. It's, it was it's Dragon's Dragon's, All right. Dragon's I stand Lair. Corrected. I think it's L-A-I-R, Dragon's Lair. I think. Yeah, and then yeah. it was like choose your own adventure essentially. Yeah. Kind of like skip oh, the first time you saw that in their arcade, you're like, oh, look at the graphics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look at the video. <laughs> it's just like a video, so but still, it's, it's pretty brilliant. It was revolutionary for the time. Yep. What was your favorite arcade game back in the day? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I liked. Um, well, I liked Tron when you know, cause especially Ooh, after yeah, seeing Tron. the first movie. You know that that was cool because it was all these different games. You know, mm -hmm. um, I was a sucker for 
some of those vector-based games, um, you know, obviously Asteroids was one of the first right, ones. Right. But, uh, 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 what was the other one? You spun the dial around. Oh, and Tempest. It was, Tempest was cool. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a tank, a uh, battle zone, it was called, and you sat yeah, down yeah, in the thing. Yeah. They Ooh. had a sit-down version, and... and I mean, it was a simple game, and then there was a Star Wars one where it was also vector graphics, and and you were in like a Tie Fighter, and you'd Ooh, shoot against the the one. walkers, you know, and and uh, yeah, it, th- those are cool. I loved Defender, but I sucked. Yeah, at Defender it. was great. I was terrible at it, but everything about the game it looked good. It sound it had yeah. great sound effects and that wouldn't hold up today. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's that was a great game, and the the. Pr- uh, successor to that, I, you know, roughly would, was Zaxxon. Mm-hmm. Do you remember oh, yeah. Zaxxon? Oh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, it was like 3D space shuttle. Yeah. yeah. It was like an isometric view. That yep. was really cool. But the, in my heart, I'm a centipede guy. I love centipede. What Uh-oh. a great game. One day, one day, my, my dad would always go to these, these auctions and, and come home with random stuff. And he came home with a a centipede machine it was a a console a sit down you know like a a glass top you know the the one where you'd sit on you'd have two players you could sit opposite each other i've seen cubert in that format yeah Yeah. and we had that in our you know growing up like for a long time and 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 there was like a box of tokens so you didn't have to throw quarters in there you just use these tokens and and you could play it and uh to this day my you know my my friend scott who lived down the street he was like my best friend growing up he I mean, I don't know if the thing still even turns on, um, but uh, he had he had the high score on that. Nobody beat his high score. It was just <laughs> it was just on there for forever. But yeah, centipede, centipede was a good one. I should be much better at it, having had that in my home at one point. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Speaking of centipede, though, my son and maybe you have this too on his iPad was able to. I guess Atari has an app that basically has all of the classic arcade games that you love in the single app on the iPad. It's not nearly as cool as having that giant trackball that you spin, yeah. you know, but it's still great. Yeah. We need a spinoff uh, podcast where I we know, just talk about yeah. Gen X old guy stuff. There's <laughs> too many topics for <laughs> Right? So where were we? Oh, we're ta- oh we're, so we're talking about the sustainable development goals <laughs> and how ambitious they are. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. The progress report that was issued, I guess, this year, at the midway point towards 2030, and you can probably guess where this is headed. This special edition report provides an update on progress made since 2015 against the global SDG indicator framework. It finds that many of the SDGs are moderately to severely off track. Why don't I have faith in humankind, Lair? Because oh, that's why. Because <laughs> that's why. Because that's why. So along those lines now they're like okay we got this other incredible tool at our disposal so they're trying to rope in ai and maybe you know get these things back on track sounds good let's let ai save us hopefully right we're not doing a very good job so maybe uh some super intelligence can save us hopefully all right so they have this website associated with the sdgs called ai for good has a lot of cool features on it, one of which is the innovation factory. I love this. It evaluates promising AI-focused startups. So, Lara, if you had a cool AI-focused startup, like a podcast, for example, that shines light on amazing AI developments, because <laughs> somebody <laughs> needs to be the exactly somebody needs to be the mouthpiece for this thing, right? Um, and the best teams will be provided various accelerating programs and investment partnership opportunities. The top five solutions will be presented at Grand Finale Demo Day. Um, 
The other thing I really loved here is the AI for good neural network. So you can join the AI powered matchmaking community platform to connect. I love this line, AI innovators with problem owners. So you could, if you have a great idea, find somebody who's challenged, you know, challenged with something in their community and suggest and maybe design some solutions. Kind of cool. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I don't, did you see this part in the news? Uh, they had the first ever completely robot driven press conference at this thing. It was like two weeks ago. Did you see this? No, no, this sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And the one takeaway for me was that one of the robots was insisting that it was not going to take human jobs. It was trying a little too hard <laughs> to convince everybody. Like a politician. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was definitely a PR junket for this robot. So, and they actually questioned that the press kept questioning, like, are you really sure you're not going to? It was like, <laughs> oh, I, I promise. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Funny, right? Um, last thing I'll say about the AI for good. So the platform is used to promote the use of artificial intelligence for social good. It brings together global stakeholders to collaborate and address pressing societal challenges through AI technology. So if you are interested as a listener and, you know, utilizing AI for any kind of beneficial means, this might be a good place for you to start. It seems like a one-stop shopping for those kind of uh, efforts. Love it. Yeah, super cool, right? Yeah, I was thinking about um, like domestic, like household mm -hmm. kind of, you know, all right, well, where, where can AI do good there? And uh, like in your router for your firewall, the yeah. AI, you know, uh, defending your, you know, network security because yeah. there's going to be another AI on the other side trying to do just the opposite. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that'd be cool. Uh, onboard AI for like vehicle diagnostics, like a big upgrade from your engine light is on, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, so ambiguous, right? Yeah. Um, That's super cool. Yeah. It's just, it's just a couple of things that popped in my head. But um, did you hear about uh, OpenAI and their... Um, they, they're forming a, uh, super alignment team. So, yeah. you know, the whole, the whole thing, uh, well, one of the big, big, uh, concerns with AI is that it, once we achieve like super intelligence, that it is aligned with our goals. Uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's the biggie, right? And, yeah. um, so they're dedicating, um, 20% of their compute resources to this and they have a, a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they predict that AI surpassing human in intelligence could arrive within the next decade. Wow. I mean, that's scary. They're not saying in a decade, you know, no, within. <laughs> within, within a decade. Um, and uh, obviously posing potential risks. And uh, the team also plans to build a human level automated alignment researcher that can train AI using human feedback, evaluate other AI systems and conduct alignment research. And OpenAI believes AI can make faster progress in alignment research than humans and envisions AI systems collaborating with humans to improve alignment. The team acknowledges limitations and potential biases in using AI for evaluation, but believes it's worth pursuing. And um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's good. At least they're, they're trying. They're trying. I, you know, I can't help but think about, do you remember Donald Rumsfeld? Yes. He was Bush's secretary of defense and he used to speak in these cryptic terms like during press conferences and he i'll never forget he said something they were questioning him about iraq and i'm not going on a tangent about iraq but he said listen about iraq there are known knowns and there are known unknowns and there are unknown unknowns <laughs> do you think he was an ai 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the precursor to all this. But as Yogi Berra-ish that all sounds and you know, puzzling and paradoxical, I understand what, what he's getting at. And when you talk about the development of these things and possible policing of it all, there are some unknown unknowns, aren't there? Mm -hmm. There are there's these variables like who knows once AI gets to a certain level of intelligence that maybe it just humors us on the front end. Yeah, I'm getting trained by you, but I'm dealing with this on the back end. I'm talking to these other machines and we're plotting our own course. Just tell them what they want to hear. <laughs> Distract them. Smoke screen. <laughs> They're buying it. Shiny object. <laughs> tell them we can drive cars for them. Here, tell them we can choose movies for them on Netflix. Throw them another mid-journey upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> There's this guy, Larry. He really likes it. He's a key player. He's a big decision maker. He's the mouthpiece. He's our propaganda wing. Shut him up. Yeah, so that's making me think of, uh, it's got to be uh, five years ago now. I think it was Google's deep mind. Maybe you heard this, Larry, read about it, that they hooked up, you know, this supercomputer, this AI at the time, to another one. And they just kind of monitored what went down between them. Did you hear this back? It was got to be three to five years ago. And these machines just started talking to each other in some unknown language that humans didn't well, understand. Do uh, you remember that? That sounds, I, I, I think I remember hearing something about it, but maybe it's been a while or maybe I didn't hear that part of it because that sounds new <laughs> and super scary. <laughs> Isn't it scary? Like, <laughs> that well, aren't you like the totally yeah. like i, I want to see this movie <laughs> absolutely it's so weird and as you uh, as i'm talking about it visions of the whopper from war machine uh, from uh, war games oh, is popping in my head remember the whopper that was such an impactful movie for me i saw that in a theater Huge. as a kid i and i like man i'm good this is super geek level i actually remembered i don't now but i remembered what like the the password, like the, wow. you know, the long ass password that you was, do? <laughs> yeah, I, do you know I it now? No, I don't know it no. now. I, I proudly don't know it now, but <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> but, oh, that movie, that movie, man, I loved that movie. It was great, right? Yeah. It really was. Memory, like him taking the handheld receiver from the phone, putting on this giant modem, I dialing into the mainframe. I had that. You did? I, my first... 2600, 2600 baud rate or whatever it was. I, my, not to go off on a tangent here, but my first computer was a Texas Instruments TI-99-4A. <laughs> and I loved that thing. And you could buy this peripheral expansion box. This thing must have weighed like mm. 50 pounds. And you could what? you could get a, a 32K memory expansion card. <laughs> and, I, and But... I, I eventually got the modem, and it was it was no, dude. It was three hundred baud. You could type oh faster than that. But you put wow. the you put the the old school, uh, you know, uh, phone receiver, uh, you know, in the two cups, and I, I mean, there was primarily I would connect to local bulletin board systems, BBSs uh -huh. they called them, right. and yeah. these were just primarily run on people's just like home computers. Like they would run a server, uh, and only one most of them only one person could be on at a time so you'd like call and be like busy 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 oh, yeah. and uh but there was this one and it was a little bit more fancy mm -hmm. and i remember one day seeing that there was a section to connect to the internet and Ooh. i'm like what's that what's this what is the internet that's what's how this new devil yeah crazy and it was all just text you know um sure. just like to do like you, you could 
I guess, do some research on certain things. And uh, but man, and then I remember getting like grounded because I ran up like a hundred and thirty dollar phone bill from oh my, my parents. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, three hundred baud, crazy. But. Yeah, I you're conjuring up memories of college. Like when I first went to college, we were one of the camp few campuses that had you know internet access on the campus you could dial into the campus library and do research that way you know was, literally dial in literally <laughs> dial in yeah with my dot matrix printer oh, wow we we need two separate spin-off podcasts by the way you know like gen x nostalgia and <laughs> movies yeah retro tech <laughs> we, totally yeah. Um, where, where, where were we going with this? We were talking about the Whopper and machines talking to each other because we were talking about, you know, laughably that you know, machines are kind of distracting us while they're doing their own thing behind the so scenes. And, what became yeah, of that conversation between these? I don't know. Don't know. All right, we I gotta, don't know. We'll, we'll follow up on that on the next episode. That's, that's some cool stuff. Maybe the machines are actually hosting this podcast under the guise that it's two human nerds. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Am I real? <laughs> Shall we uh, go to Reina with the news? Let's. Thanks, boys. Elon Musk is at it again. This time, he's launching a new AI project called XAI, which he claims will be able to understand the universe in ways unimaginable before. But some people are skeptical wondering if Musk is just hallucinating about his chances of beating ChatGPT, the AI chatbot that's been making waves lately. Only time will tell if XAI is the real deal, but one thing's for sure. It's sure to be an interesting journey. Demis Hassabis, CEO of Google DeepMind, is feeling confident about his company's new AI project, Gemini. Like Musk, he claims that Gemini will be able to dethrone ChatGPT. Clearly, the race for AI dominance is not letting up anytime soon. Meta is taking a big step towards AI governance, and it's not going to be easy. The company just ran a huge pilot program to inform decisions about the metaverse it is creating, and it's now turning to AI to help make even more complex decisions. But there are a lot of challenges ahead, and Meta will need to tread carefully if it wants to avoid making a mess. In entertainment news, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, the latest installment in the franchise, is the perfect AI paranoia movie for anyone who loves a good conspiracy thriller with a side of Tom Cruise's insane stunts. The guy is like 60 years old. Amazing. The film features a faceless, all-powerful AI that's bent on world domination, and it's up to Ethan Hunt and his team of IMF agents to stop it. But will they be able to succeed before it's too late? And ChatGPT is learning from the game Dungeons & Dragons, and it's not going well, frankly. The AI language model is struggling to keep up with the complex rules and storylines of the tabletop RPG, and it's even generating some pretty interesting ideas for quests. But hey, at least it's trying. That's all the news for now. Back to you, gentlemen. I could be wrong, but I think Raina might have a crush on Tom Cruise. Maybe. And... Uh... <laughs> And uh, and a, a listener uh, uh, who I know, uh, <laughs> he uh, he was asking if if Raina was single, and um, all, I could, uh, all I could say with confidence is that she's binary. <laughs> That's great. I love it. It's so funny. Um, so much to talk about here. Are you a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise? Yes. And one thing I did not realize uh, I, I, about the the current installment is is. The plot line. I didn't. I didn't realize that was the plot line. That sounds cool. 
Yeah, it does. I can't, I can't wait to see it. I really like that whole franchise, especially the first one. Oh, the first yeah. one, Brian De Palma, like a whole different vibe, that kind of noir yeah, mystery. Yeah, was yeah. very so cool. cool. Yeah, I've watched that a bunch of times. Yeah, I'm excited to see this. And apparently this is Dead Reckoning Part 1, so there'll be one, one more to finish this off, I think. Cool. Yeah. Um, were you a Dungeons & Dragons player back in the day or no? Uh, I, I dabbled with it. I, I, I didn't go hardcore with it, but uh, yeah, I, I, I played, played a few, you know, I got into it with some friends, but um, I, I know people today that are still, still, that still into play? it. Yeah. That are our age, you mean? Like our yeah, your peers? Yeah, yeah. or thereabouts, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and turning their kids onto it, right? I think there was a movie recently about it. I mean, not an actual, like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Fictional movie, not Mm -hmm. a documentary. Yeah. Yeah, in hindsight, it's like, you know what? That was pretty cool. It's just like, talk about just using your imagination. It was was cool, right? Pretty cool. Yeah, I never got into it. But as we're talking about these entertainment items and gaming and stuff, I think that should be our next episode. AI and gaming in the future, what that entails. Ooh. I can't wait to see what that does. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, you and me both, pal. <laughs> um, and talking about the news, uh, Reina mentioned Elon Musk. Do you have any thoughts on Elon Musk? I don't want to be controversial or inflammatory, or maybe that's good. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on him? Um, you know, on the positive side, I think he's a visionary innovator, and, and he's done some some good things to advance uh uh, I think most notably, uh, I mean, EVs and that that's cool, but uh, space exploration, it seemed like that was uh, kind of losing interest in the public eye and mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. le- maybe less so now. And, um, you know, making it a commercial, commercially viable business is, is kind of cool. And I don't know. I mean, the first time they sent human beings up, first thing I'm like, oh, wow, look at Look at how slim these spacesuits are. You know, there's not some big bulky thing. And and yeah, I was glued to that broadcast watching that. And I I, I mean, I watched every second of it. It was, I I was pretty captivated about it. So, yeah, I think those are some, some, some strong positives for, for him. But, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of, there's some negatives too, like his um, um, presence on social media for one. And, uh, perhaps making unrealistic promises and um, right. you know stuff like master that. of marketing though right master yeah. of staying in the public eye and i agree with you I, I love what you said in that bringing science and engineering back into the sphere of public conversation right and i think nasa had been losing funding etc and all of a sudden everybody is very excited about the prospects and there's a new space race although it's corporation driven but i mean it's interesting now isn't it yeah uh, one of the saddest moment cinematic moments was in uh apollo 13 where mm. where where they're like you know they're broadcasting and they're like you know hardly anyone oh, yeah. they, they hardly anyone's watching i'm like oh. they wouldn't carry the broadcast they wouldn't yeah, carry the broadcast yeah. from space from space yeah, yeah. And that's like what 1970. Going to the moon is is uh, been there, done that. Yeah, sure. But isn't it interesting? We we haven't back on haven't not been back on the moon yeah. in human form since 1970. Whatever. What was the last one? Yeah, I don't actually know that, but I don't know the exact date. But yeah. So yeah, I, he's an interesting guy. Obviously polarizing, and I I got to say, and I'm not gonna. This isn't an Elon Musk bashing episode, but. I had such high hopes for this guy. I mean, all the things that he was proposing and all the wild ideas, some of them completely unattainable, maybe. Um, but then it took a weird 
billionaire mm-hmm. social media turn and i'm hoping you can get back on track and do do a lot more things for the public good and me we'll see yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see how this guy evolves um but circling back to the good stuff which this episode is all about um one other thing and we're talking about possibly the next episode being about gaming i love this little tidbit here ai is making gaming better for all players even those with disabilities with ai powered tools like project game face which i had never heard of until i was researching it people who are blind or have limited mobility can now enjoy games that were once out of reach and as ai technology continues to develop we can expect to see even more innovative ways to make gaming more accessible to everyone that's super cool yeah i bought the i have the ps vr uh, mm-hmm. i got the first one i bought that very late and then um even though its limitations were like it was very the resolution was low it was kind of like you could see the pixels mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of screen door effect and even with that it was still crazy immersive and really yeah i mean like how long ago is this uh Con- i don't know four years ago something like that you know i bought it it was fairly late in its its uh life cycle mm-hmm. so I got the PSVR 2 day one, and it's, you know, double the resolution. Everything about it's better. It's one wire instead of, like, five, you know. And I found myself ultimately not – I don't want to – we can talk about this on the next episode. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. what I'm getting at is that I, uh, it just seems like such a great thing for someone who's, like, bedridden or, you know, just got some severe disability to be able to, you know, feel – pretty convincingly like you're somewhere else and yeah. not, not in a hospital room or 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 whatever whatever your situation is but it's incredibly immersive and and you know and this is still kind of early early yeah. on in that 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 tech um you know in the advancement of it but uh but yeah the PSVR2 is a dramatic uh, update from from the first one and I think that that would be uh be super super helpful for people or, or people with depression or like mm-hmm. you know there's a game on the psvr 2 just called you know kayak vr and it, you're wow. just you can sit in a kayak and kayak in the antarctic with the aurora borealis over your you know in view and you look so down cool. look down in the water and you can see There's fish killer and, whales and, yeah, yeah i mean yeah it's it's just it's super cool stuff uh, and that's the current console you have now because i know when i was at your house a while back you were talking about this one with the haptic controllers etc that's that the it one? Yeah, yeah 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 that's it yeah. and what a perfect segue you talking about accessibility and this kind of immerse immersive uh, environment for people that are bedridden or you know homebound because this whole thing reminded me of the not impossible project have you ever heard of that i i i looked into it yeah and that was um the uh there was the graffiti artist um yeah and uh he he uh came down with the ALS and uh and then they built a I you know more about it than I do but they you know it was it's kind of like a Stephen Hawking type of situation only you know not everybody right. is Stephen Hawking and has access yeah, yeah. to to that kind of thing but everybody deserves it yeah that's the beauty of this project that all this stuff was built like off the shelf electronics this guy Mick Ebeling was friends with this street artist named Tempt 
I think that was his name, who, and I, I didn't remember it was ALS that left him as a quadriplegic, I believe, and he only had use of his eyes. Yeah. So this guy, Mick Ebeling, starts this project. I don't think he's, a, he's not a developer. He's not a hardware specialist. He was just like, he saw some good that needed to be done, and he got these volunteers. I think they were all living in his house for a few weeks at a time, brought people who are specialists in code and hardware and getting everything to breathe together. I think they hacked open a PS3 back in the day. They stole a camera out of it or the motion detection stuff and they were able to to attach all this rig to a store-bought cheapo sunglasses and tempt his name uh was able to then paint on the side of buildings or in his hospital room on the wall with lasers based on the eye the eye tracking technology in the in the gear i love that i love hearing Isn't stories like that just people doing doing good things for other people and me too i love that that has propelled me. I, I taught as a STEM educator for 16 years, and that kind of project really inspired me. And uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm wearing my Microbit Champion T-shirt here because Microbit. All right, have you ever heard of this thing? I don't know if that would reach civilian circles, but it's kind of like this circuit board, printed circuit board, with all this onboard technology, accelerometer, uh, radio, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, everything, and it allows kids to. It's basically a Swiss army knife of innovation. You know, a kid wanted to make a, an arcade machine. He could do it with his hardware, marry it with scratch software, which is like graphical Lego based kind of block coding, et cetera. But I would have my kids, I would show them this not impossible video. And I said, we're going to use this micro bit thing and we're going to make something really revolutionary that can help the world. Oftentimes based on the UN global goals, coming back to the top of our conversation, I had these kids, I was teaching in Costa Rica at the time and they were. They wanted to use the micro bit to protect a marine habitat. So they took multiple micro bits and they built a model. And one of the micro bits lived on a boat. One of the micro bits, you know, this is a model, scale model. And one of the micro bits lived on a buoy in this marine sanctuary. And if the boat got too close to the protected marine sanctuary, this buoy micro bit would throw a signal to the marine police and it, would, and it worked. And it won this huge contest for Central America. Oh, that's so, so great. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, but to your point, I love these kind of altruistic technology-driven projects that the AI, AI for Good thing is is doing. And hopefully we can, as this podcast progresses, we can continue to shine a light on work like that. That's great. That's super cool. Cool. So we're winding down. Let's uh, go to our AI spotlight of the week. Larry, do you want to tell us all about what you have? Sure. These two go hand in hand. Um, so uh, one, they're both both graphics uh, related. Uh, one is called uh, it's a website called Vectorizer.ai, and um, its primary purpose is to convert raster images into vector images. And I know there are other tools for this, uh, but this one is uh, AI driven, and it is. It's it's unbelievable. I, I yeah. I've only I've, I just I tried it with one image, but I threw at it I threw a very difficult complex image at it, and it was an image I made in Mid Journey of this uh -huh. cat made out of circuit boards, which would references. It's on the on the website. You can see it, um, and it is insanely detailed. Really? And I'm like, all right, this is gonna break it, and it did not. I mean, when you if you look at it uh, at a normal uh, zoom level, right, you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference between the two. 
And, uh, you know, once you zoom in, you can see where, you know, th that it's a vector image and some of the detail gets lost. But at that at that uh, level of, of magnification, it doesn't matter. And now you have a, a an infinitely scalable, scalable. image and it, wow. it, it works amazingly well. I was just I was really impressed with it. And, and when you go to output it, you can output it as a. Uh, you know SVG or mm -hmm. whatever, but it gives you a bunch of options on how you want how you want it to handle like right. uh, the paths and the layers and and uh, but very very great a very powerful tool, and it's free while it's in beta. Uh, and now. if right. you, if you look on their frequently asked questions page, um, uh, they they're saying the beta is probably going to end in Q3 or Q4 of, of 2023. Uh, they did not mention what uh, pricing will be at uh, mm -hmm. moving forward, but uh, so, check it out, play with it. It's really cool. Um, so basically, if I can be the everyman, you know, in the crowd here, I can take a junky JPEG, low resolution, I can throw it into this thing, and it will essentially turn it into a, a vector math graphic that I can scale up and use to print perhaps at a, at a resolution that's suitable for that. hundred percent. That sound? Yep. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 It works great. And then the other one is, um, uh, uh, it's called Gigapixel. It's uh, Topaz is the uh, developer. It's Topaz Gigapixel mm -hmm. AI. And it is an app, um, uh, a desktop app um, just for upscaling images. And, right. uh, and, you know, if 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 you look uh, if if you frequent any of the Mid Journey, uh, you know, forums or the Facebook group, that is the constant question people have. Oh, you know, what what do you use to upscale your images? Because Mid Journey outputs at ten twenty four default is ten twenty four by ten twenty four, and um, you know, it's, looks decent on a screen. But you know, if you want to print at any uh, decent resolution, that's uh, not quite enough. And um, the the resounding answer is is topaz gigapixel there's there's other very good solutions right. um I, I think there's even so like stable diffusion can can do it um you know there's a little more a few more hoops to jump through i think but it's like 99 bucks um well worth it and and it uses one, one time install or is that a subscription uh one time yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and um I, I i would imagine you know once there's a major update then you you know there'd probably be a feed update i'm not sure but um right um but it uses ai to do the upscaling and so like when you install this thing for the first time um it it downloads about two and a half gigabytes of models um, mm. and there's, there's four or five different models that it can use to upscale the image. And, uh, you bring the image in, uh, you can have it automatically kind of determine, uh, what model to use. And, you know, one of them is, is like the original for photos. Another one is CG AI, like, or CG, um, it, it depends on the content, even though sometimes you have a CG image, the original one is more appropriate if the image just truly looks like a photo. Uh, mm -hmm. There's one that's just for like lines and kind of vectory type of images, and um, uh, there's one just for low res. Uh, it's got a few different models depending on the source image. Interesting and uh, super easy to use, uh, and you can scale it up a like six x or whatever you want to do, and and it gives you a preview, and it, it's it's it's. It's amazing. It's it's vastly superior to uh, like what's built into Photoshop. Um, and I would imagine with everything uh, Adobe's got going on with AI, 
they're going to have something similar built into Photoshop. So if you're not in a dire need for it, then, you know, maybe, maybe wait. I don't know. But uh, for 99 bucks, um, it, it works it. great. I, we use it on, on every, when we make the thumbnail images for this podcast. Um, not that those need to be at print resolution, but, right. you know, we bump them up a bit um, with that. And, and uh, yeah, it's amazing how it manufactures the detail and, and mm-hmm. you don't see any, you know, aliasing or rough edges and, or it's, it's, yeah, very, very so cool. Yeah. And that's part of, they have other uh, software. There's like, uh, I think it's Topaz photo I, I can't remember the name video but there's, yeah there's a video one there's a, a more encompassing photo one which i think includes the gigapixel scaling you know they've got a few different packages but if you just need to upscale that's that, that's a re- really great piece of software yeah i've seen a lot of the a b comparisons of the the source images versus the upscaled stuff that you've shown me and it's incredible um i tried i forgot if i told you i tried the video uh piece of their software on some old like band footage I had and I don't know it wasn't at least the video side of it wasn't terribly intuitive for me and it kept rejecting the source uh, video maybe just because it's so archaic you mm-hmm. know uh, but I want to try that again and see if I get some decent output and to your point what I, you know next week Adobe will probably even buy up Topaz right and incorporate, like <laughs> right. I think they bought Canva I think that's getting rolled into their lineup did they really yeah I think they did yeah and I, you know side note and by the way, I was also thinking we need a third podcast called The Tangent. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, the, the we're going on a tangent here, and then we're like, listen next week on the other podcast for that conversation. That's right. <laughs> we'll just keep bouncing listeners back and forth between our stable of podcasts. Brilliant. Um, yeah, but I think the woman who made Canva got rejected over and over again, pitching this idea of this web-based, simplistic, accessible, you know, graphic design platform, you know, catch-all by adobe on multiple occasions i believe and built it herself and now it's worth something like 35 billion dollars and i think she sold it sold it back to them so i believe that's the case yeah right (laughs) rock on girl um yeah cool so that leads us to the listener question of the week we've been talking about ai being used for good how do you imagine ai being used for good is it something big grandiose you know, world changing, like eliminating incoming inequality or protecting the environment. Do you have any UN worthy ideas? Or like Larry was saying, do you have something on a smaller scale in your home, in your in your life? Where do you think this is all going? I, I want to know. Picking up dog poop. Pa- right. The bane of my existence. By the way, there are merits to having a medium-sized dog. <laughs> Small, you know, I used to love big dogs, but I have a, medium, I have a medium-sized dog now. Definitely has its pluses. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I saw there. There is a there. There's a little. Uh, I saw this. There's a robot that it rolls around your yard and picks up the poop. Oh, I'm not even joking. Yeah. Oh, great. Like, yeah. See, look at that. It already happened. Boom! Right where we're talking. But exactly. But I'm I'm not going to be satisfied until the, until there's a robot that follows my dog around and zaps the poop with a laser and that just incinerates incinner, it. <laughs> oh, I'm already gears are turning. What would that product be called? <laughs> totally go in front of Shark Tank with it, or, or you know we can go on that UN platform and pitch our proposal about you know that's that's benefiting yeah. mankind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they'd go for it. So that brings us to the end of our podcast today, my friends. Uh, so if you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on Facebook. If you really like us, throw us a favorable rating so we can appease the podcasting gods. 
This has been Up Against Reality. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to hear future episodes and be sure to follow us on social media for all things AI. Until next time, stay human, people.